This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Please speak to us through it, afresh by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Tax. You may think that we pay too much or too little. You may see it as a virtue for the good of our society or as an unfair imposition to be avoided if at all possible. But whatever your views about tax, it's impossible to get away from it. There's federal income tax, and there's state income tax, and occupational privilege tax, and sales tax, and school tax, county tax, township tax, there's property transfer tax, telephone tax, cable tax, hotel tax, there's capital gains tax. If you leave the country, there's departure tax, and when you leave this life, there's inheritance tax. Of course, taxation is not a new phenomena. There were plenty of taxes in the time of Jesus. In our gospel reading today, we encountered two opposing groups who conspired together in an effort to try and trap Jesus on this very subject of taxation. And so full of hypocrisy and dripping with insincerity, they say to Jesus, teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with, with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they bring him that denarius. And then he says to them, whose head is it? Of course, it's the emperor's. And he says, well, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, but give to God the things that are God's. Now, we might hear this as a simple civics lesson to pay our taxes, be law-abiding citizens, and give to the church. But if that's all that we hear, then we are missing a much deeper point. There is something more going on here. The critical question this exchange reveals is this, who or what demands your allegiance? Roman, Roman emperors demanded to be worshipped by their subjects. Now today, our culture makes demands that we too worship not so much our elected officials, but rather that we worship ourselves, our truth, our reality, our own image. The picture on that ancient coin was the picture of Caesar, and the coins were made in the image of the emperor. The contrast that Jesus points out is, of course, that we are created in the image of God. The question then becomes, are we going to offer up our lives to God, giving him what is rightfully his, our whole selves in worship to our creator, or 
are we going to conform our lives to the culture which worships self? So, how can we give to God the things that are God's? How can we give him the honor, the glory, the worship that is due to him alone? Now, there are many ways that we could answer that question, but one overarching way is by being faithful. And that's true in lots of areas of our lives. It's true in the workplace, when we do our work as an offering back to God. We work not only for our employer, but as if we are working for the Lord. Indeed, that's what the scriptures tell us. We give to God the things that are God's when we serve other people. And it can start with the smallest things that we do as members of a family, as the children so helpfully illustrated for us earlier. We give honor and glory to God when we love our parents, spouse, children, siblings, friends, neighbors. We give God glory and honor as we love him first above all else. We give God glory and honor when we remember his faithfulness and his provision, the outpouring of his love and grace and mercy to us. And this morning, we are continuing our lectionary-based preaching series on this theme of God's provision. And it is his great provision for us that forms the backdrop to this charge from Jesus to give to God the things that are God's. And it's a message that God has made clear to his people through history. We see it also in our Old Testament reading. In Malachi's day, their more recent history for them included God's abundant provision of the temple in all its beauty and glory. But they had become apathetic. They had forgotten God. And many of God's people were simply drifting away from the faith. The context for Malachi's words is God's provision. The challenge is a plea to God's people to remember that provision and to respond accordingly. And the message of Malachi can be summed up in three simple phrases. In this prophecy, God says, I love you. Return to me. Be faithful. In the first chapter of that short prophetic book, God says, I have loved you. And then he says, uh, a son honors his father and servants their master. If then I am a father, where is the honor due to me? And then Malachi unpacks this question and he brings home a hard message first to the priests who had dishonored God by bringing imperfect sacrifices. They promised one thing and delivered another. And the hard words are then extended to the whole community, a community that had been loved by God and wooed by God, but had turned away from God to worship other gods. The people had been unfaithful to God. They'd been unfaithful to their spouses. And yet for all the corruption, faithlessness, and divorce that God so hates, the God who never changes pleads with his people then, as he does now, to return to him. As Micah read, um, verse 7, Return to me, 
and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, well, how shall we return? And God answers, will anyone rob God? But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. And then comes the invitation to be faithful. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down an abundant blessing. These are words of a gracious God who has lavished his love upon us and wants us to know that love and experience his provision. God says, I love you. Return to me. Be faithful. And this call to bring in the full tithe is really a call of a lover to his beloved. God's beloved is his people, his church, you and me. And how had God's people responded to his love? Well, at best it seems with indifference, at worst with willful disobedience. I wonder, how have you responded to God's abundant provision? Do you worship him with your whole life? Or do you offer God something less than that? Malachi's word today is challenging. It's even a bit awkward given the subject matter. And he doesn't pull any punches when he talks about money. And what we see in both our readings today about money is that it's not so much about the money itself, or, although it, it does concern that, as it is about the principle of what or who has first place in your life and the effect that that has on your life. We are exhorted to give to God the first 10% of all our income and see what happens. What would it look like if together we took God at his word and we did what he says? What would it look like to see the windows of heaven being opened and to experience an overflowing blessing? What would our corporate worship look like if each believer in this place tithed their income? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would our hearts be more in tune with God's? Surely they would. Would our souls be hungrier to listen to God, to come into his presence, to receive from him? Surely, yes. When we read passages like today's from Malachi, or we think about tithing, we have a shocking capacity to convince ourselves that the tithe doesn't really mean what it says it means. It doesn't really mean 10% of our income, or, or that it doesn't apply to us. And I think some Christians today have become deaf, or partially deaf, to what God is saying. You know, one of the special privileges and responsibilities of my work as a priest is that I get to hear people's confessions, whether formally or informally. And I have heard many of your stories that have 
included adultery, betrayal, abuse, abandonment, addiction. And I need to say, I never get used to hearing those stories, for each one is aching with brokenness and pain and vulnerability. And the stories that I hear come from those who have been victims and those who have been victimizers. I hear from the abused and the abusers. Some people come in fear and trembling, expecting, perhaps fearing, to hear words of condemnation or rejection. So crushed do they feel by whatever it is that they've shared with me. And yet I have this enormous privilege, always, to point people to Jesus. And while I have no answers to many of the questions, I am able to point to God's love to let folks know that God says to them, as he has always said, I love you, return to me, be faithful. But in the context of our readings today, in more than 28 years of ordained ministry, not once have I had someone come to me to confess their greed. No one has said, I spend too much on myself. No one has come to tell me, I've not been tithing my income, and I'm robbing God. And I wonder why. Uh, could it be that this is simply not a problem, and no one needs to confess this? Perhaps our readings today must only apply to other Christians in other churches, but never to anyone in the parishes where I have served. I don't think so. Or could it be that people are too ashamed to confess this sin of robbing God? And I'm sorry it's so stark, but I don't write the text. You know, this is from the scriptures. And though many are able to confess all sorts of other struggles, it is somehow too difficult to confess their financial ones. I'm not actually surprised by that, given the grip that finance really does have on people's lives. It just does. And so I imagine that this is true for some here today. Or could it be that people are blind to this sin? They, they haven't recognized their disobedience. Perhaps so. Well, I want to address these groups of people. First, of those who don't have a, a problem with, with money and are joyfully and generously giving their tithes and offering to God uh, through ascension and in support of other Christian missions. I think God would say to you, well done, good and faithful servants. Certainly, I have experienced ascension to be a generous community. We continue to see a generosity poured out in the midst of this pandemic in all sorts of ways. And last year, and it's continuing, of course, we, we, we have seen extraordinary faithfulness by the many, many people who've pledged and are giving to our More Than Stones capital campaign. I just want to say this, that alongside this faithfulness in the lives of so many people, it's important that as we give 10% of our income to God, or whatever it is we give, maybe more than that, but that we keep on offering to him the remainder, whether it's the remaining 90% or whatever's left. For we are God's stewards of all that he's given to us, not just the 10%, all of it. All right, well, second, to those who maybe are, are ashamed to talk about this, let me simply say this. Please remember God's love for you. He covers our shame 
You can come to God about this. God is not out to get you or to shame you, even as he calls you to be faithful. And then third, to those who have never really thought too much about this, about this notion of robbing God, I think it's worth and important us taking a moment to look at why that might be the case. Uh, some Christians simply don't know what tithing is. No one's ever taught them. Well, if that's you, I hope you'll be able to hear God's word today and respond to it. There are others who know what tithing is, but they think, well, maybe that's just an Old Testament principle and it doesn't really apply today. But I have to tell you, Jesus in his teaching assumes the tie. And then there are others who, well, they have every intention of giving in the way that God asks us to give. They'd like to tithe, but they're putting it off maybe for better times, when they have a better job, when the kids are older, when, when they're done with school fees, when the economy recovers, when the pandemic is over. Well, yes, but it's always tomorrow. Now, let me say something else about all this. You know, this injunction to test God, which is a pretty strong thing to say, because elsewhere the scriptures say, don't put God to the test. But here in Malachi, in this particular context, test me in this. We need to know this is not some magic formula to give 10% of what you don't have because you're overextended and then somehow God will make it all work out. It doesn't work like that. Rather, the principle of the tithe is that when we give God the first 10%, the top slice, the, the best and first portion of our income that goes directly to God before we take care of all the other things, then we will see his great blessing. And so we may have to take corrective action in our family finances to do that responsibly as good stewards. And so like in so many other areas of our life, when it comes to money and giving, it can take time for our lives to be reordered, for habits to be changed, for priorities to be set straight. It's, it's almost never a quick fix. But we honor God when we submit all that we have and all that we are to him. And in this area of our lives, it may mean getting help, financial advice. It, it may mean making a start. It may mean making a move towards that which God's calling us to do. And just like the person who's struggling with any kind of sin may fall down and have to repent again and again, so too with our giving, we may stumble. But once again, this morning, whatever else you hear, I want you to hear what God says. I love you. Return to me. Be faithful. And so let us heed afresh the words of Jesus today to give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. And let us take up the challenge of the prophet Malachi to remember God's provision, to test him in this and see how God will open the heavens to pour down an overflowing blessing. God loves you. Return to him. Be faithful. Amen.